and interests in health and well-being with different perspectives to bring you a variety of tips and tricks for feeling your best and living a full, healthy life. Let's get started. Hi, friends. Happy Monday. I am having the best day ever. So I had brunch today at the Beverly Hills Hotel um, at the Polo Lounge. And Lisa Vanderpump and Ken walked past me to their table and I internally fangirled. And then while I was sitting and eating, Paul McCartney walked by to go have brunch with his uh, friends as well. So I'm a little starstruck today. Um, And It's funny because that's exactly how I felt when I was getting ready to interview my next guest, Scout Sobel. So Scout to me is like Paul McCartney level. I just love her. I love her energy. I just felt such a connection to her when I first um, found her podcast and her PR agency a while back. Um, And I'm so honored to have been able to interview her today. And I feel like our conversation went in um, a really cool direction. She um, is such an inspiration to me. And I think that you'll find that she is to you as well. So Scout Sobel is the founder of Scout's Agency, co-host of the popular OK Sis podcast and the host of Scout Podcast. She is a trailblazer in the media industry for utilizing podcasts as a powerful form of PR. After starting OK Sis, which focuses on female guests, Scout fell in love with spreading women's stories and identified the rising popularity and influence of podcasting. She started Scout's agency with an emphasis in podcast PR for women entrepreneurs, podcasters, and brands. Scout has also lived with bipolar disorder for the last 15 years. She was once unable to function in society, but after finding entrepreneurship and taking radical responsibility over her emotions, she's now able to live a life full of purpose. Her debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, which I have and love, provides the mindset and emotional tour she tools that she learned from managing her mental illness that have helped her succeed in business. So it's really interesting how Scout was able to take what some may look at as limitations and use that to help propel her forward in her business and in her life. So her, her story is really cool. And I think that you'll find this episode really, really um, inspiring. So let's get into it. Um, oh my gosh. So I am like fangirling out right now. Like this is such a big deal for me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Not only because I just, you're such an expander for me, like everything that you do, I'm like, that's where I'm trying to get to. Like I see you do it and it gives me that hope and that confidence to do it too. So a quick intro, um, Scout Sobel, CEO of Scout's Agency, best-selling author of The Emotional Entrepreneur, host of OKSIS podcast and your new podcast, Scout Podcast, right? Yep. You're doing that one on your own. That's awesome. Um, I think I first found you on Clubhouse, which I don't even go on anymore. Like Clubhouse is like, I did it and I got overwhelmed and then I forgot about it. <laughs> I yeah. Know everyone else. Um, 
but you were kind of, I think it was a, a, a room with a couple other women in the same space and it was just very inspiring. And then I was like, I need to look into, you know, what is she all about? I need to find out more about her. And then I was following you on Instagram. And then you and I had chatted about some things um, a few months ago. And then you came out with your book and I was like, oh my gosh, first of all, it's beautiful. The aesthetic of the book is gorgeous. Thank and you. Just all of the, you know, I think even before I read the book, like seeing that you were first of all, you were at the hotel where my friends were staying. So again, I thought this was like synchronicity where everything was just like the universe. Everything was tying together in Santa Monica. And I was like looking for you in the back of their pictures at the pool. But um, you were talking about just the, the vulnerability and the fact that you came out with a book like this that highlights what so many people would think of as a disadvantage and try to hide, you brought that to the forefront and you use that to really solidify your client base and to build your business on that perceived limitation that you've created as a strength. And I am just, I, I'm so impressed by that. And I think that, you know, there's always so much talk about leaning into your authenticity and showing your true self. But I don't think people really understand like what that means because it's scary. And we're like, oh yeah, I'll talk about something personal that it's so far beyond just talking about something personal. So first, thank you for, for doing this. I, I have never underlined and dog-eared more in a book in my life. <laughs> like I'm not that person. <laughs> And I'm just like every night in bed, I'm like under, I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. I totally agree with this. I resonate with that. Or that makes sense. Like you just clarified so much for me. So thank you. I have a lot of questions for you. We'll try to get to them. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited. Wow. I'm such a fan girl. <laughs> I was just going to let you keep going for a little bit in my head. I'm like, can I get the recording of this? Because, yes, you can. I mean, <laughs> Thank you so much. Am I receiving everything that you just said? Because, you know, I get caught up in the day to day. Most of my life is right here in this chair with, you know, this Zoom background of mine. And so when you get caught up in the day to day, sometimes I'm always connected to the bigger vision and picture. And I'm always connected to my power and my greatness and how I've expanded this year. Um, but, you know, every now and then you need to be seen through the lens of someone else's eyes to really, really understand that what you're doing is fucking awesome. So I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, all right, let's get into it. So, you know, I think I kind of touched on this already in the beginning that so often we hear about, you know, putting your authentic self out there and it'll improve your business and your relationships. And again, I, I you know, you took that to the next level. What inspired you to share your mental health challenges as a pillar of your business and even writing a book dedicated to it? So I get a lot, you know, you're so courageous for talking about your bipolar disorder and your mental illness, et cetera. And it's not really a compliment I super take to heart because I believe that when one is courageous, one is doing something that is overcoming a level of discomfort and has a sort of risk associated to it, maybe. Um, but I have always been an open book. I have always told people about my disorder. I've always told people about my mental illness. And maybe it's because my mental illness took me out of my life. I had to drop out of college. I was placed into outpatient. I was placed into inpatient. So quote unquote, hiding, it wasn't really an option. Like, you know, I dropped out of college. My whole community knew, all my friends knew. And so 
it was always really public knowledge in my community. I also went to um, a very small school. We had 28 kids in our class, in our graduating class. And so everybody knew I had issues, you know, everyone knew I was in therapy. Everyone knew everyone's business. So, you know, my sister used to laugh at me that, or she'll say, you know, I'll tell the barista I'm bipolar. I don't give a fuck. I'll tell anyone who wants to know. I really don't care. And I, and I guess there was a part in my brain that didn't understand why I should care. Like, I never had that, well, this is something I need to hide. And this is something that I should be ashamed of because it was a really fucking big struggle and it took over my life. And so it became, it became my life, my mental illness so significantly. So if I wasn't sharing it, then I wasn't sharing my life, if that makes sense. And so I never really, really understood why I couldn't talk about it. And it just came naturally, naturally to me. I tell everyone. When it came to business, obviously there's a different layer involved here. So I started OKSIS podcast three years ago, and then I started Scouts Agency six months into running OKSIS podcast. And I had mentioned it on the podcast here and there because, again, I didn't think I, there was no reason for me not to. And it wasn't though until I went on Chatty Broad's podcast where I actually really, really opened up about my mental uh, health journey, about living with bipolar disorder. And, you know, when I started opening up, definitely telling my whole story was a little shocking to even the people closest to me because, you know, when you start dealing with psychosis and you think people are telling you in your head to kill yourself and you think men are there, you know, people are in your room and they're not, it's a definitely a different layer of what most people consider small talk and what they can really handle supporting you in. So on that podcast, which if you're unfamiliar with Chatty Broads, it has a huge fucking reach. I just let it all go. You know, I don't know if it's because Jess, the co-host kept feeding me wine, you know, it was just whatever. So I really, really spoke quite openly about it. And then I started receiving a lot of DMs and people who had listened to the podcast just super resonating and saying they never heard anybody talk about their mental illness the way I did. And so I remember thinking to myself, what are my clients going to feel about this? Because my Instagram's public and I'm posting about the episode and I'm starting to write about it because now I have an audience from OKSIS, which I didn't have. And you know, there was a moment of like, oh, is this a good move? And I don't know. I didn't really give it that much thought. I said, I'm really fucking good at my job. I'm really hungry. I work harder than other people. I don't work harder than other people. I take a lot of risks and believe in myself and show up and do what it takes to make my dreams come true. And so if someone doesn't want to work with me based on my past experiences, whatever, it's fine. I'll find someone who does. And so while it was a moment of doubt, it re- I really didn't give it much energy and I kept going. And what happens today is I tell people on discovery calls with potential clients that I'm bipolar if it comes up, because the women that I support through my agency are women who have real stories and real missions to tell. And a lot of those real stories and real missions include challenges and sacrifices and struggles and a, a sense of overcoming those. And so when a woman tells me her story, who wants to work with me, I tell her mine to know that she's in good company, to know that she's seen and supported in that sense. So it's just something that happened. I remember where I was when I thought about, is this a good idea for business? And then, you know, I think 10 seconds later, I was like, well, we'll see what they, what they say. And uh, it just became a big part of my public identity. 
I get the impression that you have the ability, which I think is a unique ability to let go of things very easily, where so many of us have this need to control outcomes. I think maybe you have an easier way of letting things go more of like a fuck it. If they want to come, they will. If they don't, then I don't want to work with those people anyway. Like who, who I need will come to me because of this, you know? And it, I think that's really interesting. And, and maybe that's because of your, you know, health journey that you didn't have a lot of control over some of it, that you're, it sounds like you're able to let go of control and that benefits you so much. Like you don't have this like lack mindset. You're like, it's out there. It'll find me. That's like the impression that I get. I've been very controlling in many, many, many ways. That's definitely something I have to work on. I love that that's the way you view it. And I hope that's the truth. I think it's, I think it's honestly more like I was like this in high school. You know, I, I, my GPA wasn't great to get into certain colleges that I think my parents expected me to get into after paying for private school my whole life. And I remember saying, listen, if they look at my GPA, they won't take me. If they read my essay, they will. And the GPA doesn't make up who I am. I know what makes up who I am. I know where I'm special and unique and I know where I'm good and genuine. And so even at the age of 17, I was like, if they don't see it, they don't see it. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing I can do about that. Like if they're not willing to look into me and really look at me as a human being, as a holistic part of the the value I bring to their university, like, I don't know what to tell you because this number is not doing it for me. I don't feel a connection to this number. So Ever since I was really little, I think I've just, you know, when you get your chakras balanced and, you know, assessed, my personal power is on fire all the time. I just believe I'm worthy. I believe I'm the main character of my life. I've always felt that way. And I understand my worth and value. And if others can't see it, there's really nothing I can do about it. And I'm just going to keep going towards what I want to do in a way that came out as rebellion in many sense, like not going to physics class because I don't need physics, right? I don't need physics. So I would go sit at the coffee shop and read and write poetry, which filled me up more. And as a young age, at a young age, I was like, where is my time best spent? Where is my value best shining? Why do I have to do shit that's never going to push me forward in life? I didn't understand the system. So I just rebelled against it. So I think, I think it's that coming out in the sense of I know who I am very strongly and that doesn't mean that when I get a, you know, a mean podcast review that I don't get really insecure, et cetera. But I just feel as if being who I am is the only option. And if that comes with success, that comes with success. If it's things that go against me because I am who I am, I'll figure it out. You know, I, I just never, I just can't conform to something just because that's the way it is. And you, I think you're very self-aware, you understand your strengths. So you're putting your energy into the things that you are good at. And if you weren't, then you would have to pivot. You would realize like, this isn't working. This, maybe this isn't in alignment with what I should be doing. And you mentioned something in your book too, that I thought was interesting that at one point you were in a mastermind and you know, they were talking about what's something that scares you to put online. And you're like, well, I pretty much put my whole life online, you know, but the acknowledgement that you really love yourself. And that was scary to you to say that because people don't go there. There's this like sense of the need to be more humble, I guess, where that was like, 
going against the norm for you to say that. But I thought that was so powerful that you were like, wow, I actually really like love myself. I know who I am. I accept who I am. And that's fucking awesome. Like, and I just thought that was so interesting. And I never thought about that. And I was like, how do I feel about myself? Like it made me think and go inward to be like, that's not something I ever really thought about. And you were so clear and just had such conviction on that. And you were like, I'm going to share this. Tell me a little bit more about like why that felt uncomfortable. I mean, it just felt uncomfortable right now, right? Before you said that, I asked myself, was that too much? Yeah. Was I, you know, do I sound to this? Do I sound to that? Do I sound too sure of myself? Do I sound too full of myself, right? And it is a fine line-ish, maybe. I don't know. That also might be a lie. But I feel like we're marketed constantly on ways to love ourselves, to find that self-love. And then when we find it, they don't tell us how to express it. And when we do express it or when we try to express it in any way possible, it's labeled as being full of yourself or arrogance or whatever, ego at times even. And so it's been very difficult for me to express how much I truly love this, this person that I am, the soul I was given, the body I was given, the life I was given, who I am. Like if anyone came to me and wanted to trade places, it's just a no. I don't care who you are. It's just a no for me. I just... I don't know how else to explain it other than I, and listen, when, when I talk like this, you have to know that there were years of my life that were total painful, suffering shit where I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't see my strength. I couldn't see my personal power, et cetera. So I like to say that I've earned it. And so if I went through all that, I might as well express myself and really be in this space right now. But, you know, of course I have insecurities and self-doubts, but that's like 5%. It really is not a lot. My, the way I talk to myself is very loving. When I don't talk to myself, well, I'm alarmed. Like I'm alarmed in 10 seconds. I'm like, what, what was that? What was that? What's going on? Reframe this, repivot, you know, stop what you're doing. Why would you say something like that to yourself? So yeah, it's something that I still feel a little scared to talk about because I think I am a lot at times and you know, people, I guess, can think of that as they want. I think people's opinions about me hit me harder than I, than maybe I lead on at times. You know, you don't have to work with me. You don't have to accept me in your school, et cetera. But if you don't like me, there's something that doesn't sit well with me inside. And I have to kind of work through that. But anyways, yeah, expressing the fact that I really love myself, that I don't really have that much negative self-talk that I have a really good internal dialogue, a really good relationship with myself is something I pray and hope for all women and all men to get to. Um, But I'm still trying to figure out the best way to communicate that because no one really tells us how to communicate that. They kind of silence us when once we get anywhere close, even though we've been fed the narrative that we're supposed to get there. So it's, it's kind of a confusing place to be as far as expressing myself on the internet about it. But in just my physical life, it's awesome. (laughs) I like that you put it out there because it does give us something to think about. And like you said, you're not sure about how to necessarily express that because I think that there's, sometimes there's that sense of community and the commiseration, like, oh, we're all having these thoughts and we're all trying to get there and that's where it ends. But 
not all of us are like, I don't know that I need to work on negative self-talk because I also don't think I really have that, but that doesn't mean that you think that you're better than other people. You just Mm -hmm. love you. Yeah. It's not talked about very often. And I think that's just, it's really special. And I like that you were able to bring that out and put that in your book and on paper and that we had a chance to talk about that. And I hope that other people think about that a little bit too, that again, just because it's normal for, you know, to hear about other women having these negative thoughts and feeling down on themselves and having to bring themselves back up, that doesn't necessarily mean that we all feel that way. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that we're arrogant or, you know, full of ourselves or feel superior. It's just that you've gotten to a place internally where you can just love yourself. Thank you for that. That's really beautiful. And, and a different topic than what I think we talk about so often. Um, How would you encourage other women to harness the power of their own vulnerabilities in a practical way? So in theory, you know, this sounds like a great idea, but like steps one, two, and three, like how would we do this tomorrow and start Mm -hmm. the process? You know, vulnerability is a scale. It's also about you know, you don't, you don't have to go on the internet and talk about your deepest, darkest insecurities and shames and traumas and everything to be vulnerable. You don't have to do that. There's no one that should ever tell you to do that. There's no pressure that you should ever feel to do that. I think being vulnerable is the ability to be honest with oneself about how one is feeling in a certain moment or how one feels about an experience, et cetera. So in my opinion, a really great way to start to be vulnerable is where is there an area in your life with yourself that you're not telling the truth to? Like start here. Where are you lying to yourself about something? Can you be vulnerable with just you? Can you cry? Can you admit that you feel shame in this area? Can you admit that you're struggling in this area? Whatever it might be. Can you admit that the thing that you thought you wanted is not what you want anymore? So I think vulnerability starts within, and that's the most important relationship with vulnerability you should have is the one that you have with yourself. And then when you get to a point where you can really tell yourself the truth about your life and how you feel about it and and about how you feel about yourself, then maybe extending that vulnerability out to a close relationship, whether it's your parent, your sibling, your significant other, romantic, platonic, friendship, whatever, and practice showing up in your truth. And that could mean like going to breakfast with your best friend because she really wants you to go, but you feel really anxious. Letting her know that you feel anxious in that moment, right? Not necessarily hiding what's really internally going on. And that doesn't mean that everywhere you go, you gotta like, you know, do a whole emotional dump, but it's just about being honest with yourself and feeling like you're not hiding something or that you're not acting a certain way because of something else. And listen, that's like impossible to never do again in your life. Right. But being able to comfortably step-by-step person by person, scenario by scenario, issue by issue, be in a room with others and feel like you're not hiding, feel like you're being who you are. That doesn't mean that you have to tell the person everything. It doesn't mean you have to go into an hour conversation about your traumas and tell them about what your mom did to you or your dad or whatever it is. It just means that you feel as if whoever you are in the room is you and you're not trying to be somebody else. 
being vulnerable is just standing in your truth and understanding what that feels like. So do I openly talk about a lot of trauma and personal stuff? A hundred percent. Do I sometimes think I could scale that back? Yeah, maybe, but I have my parameters. Like I don't talk about my relationship that much with my husband in the personal details. I don't talk about, you know, some stuff of my family. So you don't have to, vulnerability doesn't mean spilling your diary out loud. Vulnerability means being honest with yourself first, being honest with the people you love second, and then feeling as if when you go about life, whatever room you're walking into, you feel as if you're being truthful to who you are. That makes sense. Yeah. Very well put. It's almost relative. You know, every instance doesn't need a full explanation of your life history, but if you're feeling anxious or uncomfortable or excited in the moment, being free to express that without fear of judgment, I think is really. Yeah. 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 Vulnerability doesn't mean crying hysterically and telling someone your deepest, darkest secret. Well, that's part of it and very amazing. And vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean you're divulging emotional secrets left and right. Yeah. It's actually the worst when you go to like have drinks with a friend, a new friend, and they tell you their entire life story that you weren't ready for. And you're like, wait, we just met. Yeah. 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 You're like, wait a minute. This is like, you know, happy hour number 10. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that kind of leads me into my next question, actually, is that, um, you know, you talk in your book about our natural fear of judgment from family, from friends, but you seem to have cultivated such a fierce sense of self-confidence and the ability to discern the valuable advice over projections. Where did that come from and how can others like build up that ability to decipher what's valuable and what is just someone else's projection? Or does it just come with time and experience and trusting yourself maybe? Yeah. I think before you ask for someone's opinion, you have to really get clear on what you want, what lights you up. So first you have to go, whenever you ask someone's opinion about something big in your life, you know, in the book specifically, I talk about starting my agency. I had already decided, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to move forward. It feels really good in my body and my soul and my mind. And I'm going to tell these people to see what they think. But my opinion is the one that matters most. My decision is the one that matters most. And so, you know, my husband and my dad were like, what are you doing? Like, you have so many other things. Like, do you have time for this? Um, I don't know if this is a good idea or whatever, because of the timing that I had. And it was, I was very quickly able to scan my body and be like, okay, I already made this decision and it feels good. And this person is worried that I'm going to overstretch myself. They're worried that I'm going to set myself up for failure. They're trying to protect me from something. So when you ask someone's opinion, weed out whether that opinion is based out of emotion and trying to protect you, or if it's really, really sound advice, like put X amount of dollars away for this, you know what I mean? Something that's really tangible and actionable. And even when someone gives you a tangible, actionable advice, that also doesn't mean that it serves you and you need to follow it completely. So before you ask for someone's opinion, really reflect on what you really want, because it is very easy. It happens to me at times too, where I'll want to do something and someone thinks that's stupid. And now I think that's stupid. And then I realize that that's their projection shit and not mine. So feel what it feels like in your body to come to the decision that you are, that you want to make. 
Then ask the opinion, decipher whether that opinion is strategy or emotional fear to keep you safe because they don't want you to fail. And then if you feel or take on their opinion or emotions, ask if that was in alignment with how you felt before, right? Whenever you want to do something different, that's outside of the box, that's quitting your job, that's starting your own thing, you will hear from everyone to not do it. They will come up with a million reasons why it won't work because they want you to stay safe in the job where you were going to get whatever, you were on the raise, you were going to be P, blah, 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 right? And so we have to decipher between, are these people trying to protect us like our anxiety tries to protect us? Or is this actionable strategic advice that I can, or an opinion that I can take in and decipher whether or not I want to use it. But the most important thing to know is that just because someone has an opinion on something does not mean that you have to adopt that opinion. It doesn't mean that it's your truth. And it also doesn't mean that it's the best for you. And that's really hard to do. It really is. But for me, I always ground into what do I want to do aside from all these people? And yeah, it's probably the rebellious nature in me. You know, I dropped out of college. I've never done anything traditionally. And I, and I know the whole world has been trying to get me to do things traditionally. And so I've never done that. And so I know in my heart when I want to start something and I know in my gut when something is right. And that comes from trusting your intuition that comes from scanning your body to see, like I always say, Shaman Durek in his book says, feel what a hell yes is in your body and feel what a hell no is in your body. And so that's how you start developing your intuition. That's how you start developing what your gut wants, what your personal power wants. And you're going to hear every opinion under the sun. And if you answer to everyone's opinions, you'll go nowhere. So really spend time with you. Really, really spend time with you and ask what you want. Make your decision before going to the opinions of others. And know that if you're starting your own thing, if you're quitting your day job, if you're doing anything that's out of the ordinary and not linear, you will get pushback and just, I guess, would not accept it. Um, accept it, accept it. that it's part of the, part of this, part of the process. Yeah. It's so true. I find sometimes, oftentimes I don't even want other people's opinions. Yeah. I'm not asking. I don't. I'm like, you know what? I've made up my mind. What you say isn't going to change that. In fact, it'll probably push me even more so towards what I wanted to do. So I'll let you know when I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you have to, I think if you're going to craft your own life, right. If you're really going to take your life into your own hands and you need opinions here and there, sure. Like there's, you know, I know to go to my friend Whitney when I need a business advice, like she's going to give me good advice. She knows me. She knows my business. She knows how I operate. She's going to give me good advice. So do I follow, do I follow it every time? No, you know who to ask for in certain scenarios, but yeah, you got to say fuck it at some point and just do exactly what you want to do. Yeah. I love that. That's me. <laughs> for good or for bad. Yeah, Sometimes same. Source some opinions every now and then, but you know, you live and you learn, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how does spirituality tie into successful business for you? I know that you talk a lot about your spirituality and I I love that because I definitely have cultivated my own, you know, what spirituality means to me over the last couple of years. And I, I like that. That seems to be a very important part of your business. Mm. Spirituality is something that I have been dabbling in for years now, but it really wasn't until a year and a half that it became a very foundational, non-negotiable grounding support system in my life. 
um, I really do see a lot of things through spiritual lenses. It's a little hard, I find at times for me to talk about it because spirituality in many ways is so intangible and so abstract, mm-hmm. but through my emotional healing from bipolar disorder, my healing accelerated at such a rapid rate when I felt and believed that I had the support of God, the universe, spirit, source, whatever you want to call it. It was the most transformational couple months of my life when I started getting to really, really depressive and anxious moments and saying, God, you take this. Like, I know you're supporting me. I know you're here. I know you love me. I know you're with me. Please show me what to do here. It was when I was able to hand off my struggles in many ways to a greater power that I felt an intrinsic strength emerge from me. So my relationship to God, which is what I call it, my relationship to spirituality, I use the word God and it's not in a religious context. Um, my relationship to God is one that is so present during the good, during the bad, during all of it. And within the realms of spirituality, you know, I've learned about surrender and masculine and feminine energy and trust and divine timing and synchronicities um, and coming to a very strong belief that I am being supported by very strange and miraculous and magical and weird unseen forces at hand. And I choose to tap into them. We all have them. I just choose to allow them to guide me. I choose to allow them to support me. I choose to call on them in times of need. And so it was integral for the way I emotionally healed. I say now I don't suffer from my bipolar disorder. I might live with it, but I don't suffer. And I do credit that to God. I really do. I'll boldly say that I credit that to God. Um, In my business, you know, the woo-woo's definitely present. I think that's what people call it now, right? Like we had a team meeting, we did a meditation, we talk about manifesting and, and all that good stuff. And so I think that that language and the way of talking about how opportunities come into our life, how things flow, how things grow and expand. I think in general, at least in my circle, the vernacular is leaning a lot more towards spiritual vernacular, which I think is so beautiful, you know, following downloads, following divine intuition, etc. So it's just something that touches all of my life. It's something that sometimes I feel insecure about because I think some people, you know, a lot of the people in my, in my life that aren't people I met through podcasting and through my agency, but people who have been friends with me since five years old, you know, my community that I grew up with. Sometimes I think that maybe I'm a little too far out for them at times. And that also comes with, you know, finding what works for you. It might not work for others and others might not understand and outcast you in some, some ways, you know, but yeah, it's, it's the most important relationship I have in my life is with God. That's beautiful. Wow. How powerful. It's really amazing when you open your eyes to what's going on around you, what you'll see, you know, sometimes I've had instances where I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, I know exactly what that is. And that's so wild. And you're right. It happens all around us all the time. And you really just have to be open to seeing it. I mean, you can call the same thing a coincidence or you can call it a synchronicity. A coincidence dismisses the magic that's present and a synchronicity acknowledges it. And so I just choose to acknowledge magic and beauty instead of ignore it. 
I love that. And that ties into as well, the way that you look at life and life being beautiful and taking time to appreciate that and standing in your backyard. And I was thinking of you today, actually, um, because I was coming down, I was hiking Fryman Canyon and I came down, I don't know if you're familiar with that in LA, but I was coming down, it was early in the morning today and it was cold and the sun was shining through the trees of these gorgeous houses that I just like, they're my expander houses. (laughs) just like the sun was shining through and it was hitting my face and I actually stopped and like lifted my face to the sun to feel it on my skin and I got like choked up and Mm -hmm. I thought about you saying that in your book and recently you were saying something I think on Instagram that you were outside and you started to like cry at how beautiful it was and I was like that I love that we these moments pass us by and every day we have an opportunity to stop and to see that. And I think that's so, so important and overlooked. It's always overlooked. It's so overlooked and it's one thing to acknowledge. And then it's another thing to feel it, like to really, really feel it. And that takes time, right? Like not every time I look at a leaf, I go into a full (laughs) mushroom trip without being on mushrooms. Right. But I, you know, I just, I just, I'm, I'm an emotional person. And so my emotions were shitty for so long. So I'd rather feel the beauty, the grandness, the vastness, the craziness, the unexplicable stuff that happens in the circle of life. Like literally I was washing dishes, listening to the circle of life from the Lion King, like blasting up. And I'm just like, the circle life is like, I'm just like alone, just in awe of what all of this is. It's just too crazy to to numb ourselves from it's so amazing and yes in all of that you can feel maybe a little ungrounded because it's so magical and mysterious but to miss out on on seeing that is is a shame I think yeah I agree do you ever feel like sometimes you mentioned feeling ungrounded do you ever feel like sometimes when you're having those experiences and those thoughts that you um like you have to bring yourself back down like sometimes even as a kid I would feel like I, I would have to have like a, like a, a, a phrase or something to look at, to like come back to where I was, because I would start to think too existentially in a way. And it's like, you feel like you're like going to float off the earth. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, yes. I mean, I feel ungrounded in two different ways and in the spirituality realm, which is what you're talking about. I had, I read this book, I think it's called meet your soul. Um, and she said the difference between spirit and soul, right? Spirit is that high up heavenly galaxy universe, uh, you know, consciousness, levitation, all that stuff that you can go into existential craziness and feel connected to all this stuff. It's the spiritual part. It's the spiritual realm, but we have to live in the soul because if we don't, we're just floating in airy fairy land above. And that's not actually why we're here, Right. We're not here to live in that realm. We'll get that in, you know, in the afterlife or whatever. But so I always have to remind myself, like, sure, all of that is super existential and I could trip out on that for days, but I'm here as a human. Like I'm here to live a physical 3D life. Like I'm here to be in this body. And so I do have to bring myself back because you can, I think it is dangerous when you spend too much time there. You get very ungrounded and you can lose touch with reality. Obviously it's like a very extreme case, but it is important that when you are exploring spiritual awakenings and spiritual concepts to remind yourself of the importance of the physical body and soul that you were given to experience this, because then what's the point of living here if you're not in this human experience? 
Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, you're right. If you're always trying to cultivate the experience outside of that 3D reality, then you're missing out on what you've been placed here to experience. That's a really good way of looking at it. I wrote down the name of that book, Meet Your Soul. I'll have to look that up. It's so good. It's so good. I'll have to check that out. I think it's by Elisa Romeo or something. That's how you say it. Okay. I can send you the Amazon link. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. So let's talk about something a little bit more, not more fun, but lighter. <laughs> um, morning routines. So I am a huge proponent of a morning routine. Like I used to be that person that hit snooze for three hours and would wake up in a rush and panic and adrenaline and cortisol pumping and late for work and running out the door and slipping in the snow and like it's just a nightmare, right? And then you get to work and like your emotional wake, like people feel that and the whole day just goes to shit. So years ago, I refined that. And now I just live for my morning routine. And with my clients, I'm always, you know, talking about what's your morning look like. Like, you don't have to have a morning routine like me. You don't have to have a morning routine like the entrepreneurs that you hear about who wake up at four every single day and they do cryotherapy and an ice bath and whatnot. But like, you need a routine. You have to have like some kind of structure in the morning. And even better, if it's like alone time and some time where you're not looking at your phone, like, what are you doing in those moments before? the world opens up and your day starts. And so I love my mornings. I have a toddler now. So with two jobs and a toddler and like life, it's very crucial that I have that alone time. Um, But you talked a lot about your morning routine in your book as well. So I know that you went kind of like high level and you were like, I'm not going to tell you like when I take my vitamins and stuff, but like, I want to know all of that. So what do you do? Like the minute you wake up, walk us through what that looks like for you. Yes. So funny. I was, I I was answering an interview where they asked me the same thing. So I literally just typed it out before I got on this call. So I wake up between six 30 and seven ever since COVID hit, I've been waking up later. I prefer, I was waking up at six back in the day and I kind of want to get back to there because I like being up earlier. Um, but I wake up six 30 to seven. I pick my dog out of bed. I put her on the couch to go back to sleep. I go to the bathroom, I scrape my tongue, I walk over, the coffee's already made, we have it on a timer. I pour myself a cup of coffee, I sit down, I journal for 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, Subconscious, no journal prompt or anything like that, just stream of consciousness, brain dump. In there, sometimes all I write is I'm tired, I'm groggy, I'm trying to wake up, whatever. Or, you know, like the six month marketing plan for my book came out one morning. It's just very, I have breakthroughs some days and other days are just random scribbles. After that, I get in my movement. So I do 15 to 20 minutes of Melissa Wood, health, Pilates, or yoga. She's amazing. I used to be very resistant to working out until Melissa came into my life. So I do a 15 to 20 minute, like that's it guys. Like sometimes it's 10, like I just small stuff. 15 to 20 minute uh, yoga Pilates. If I don't want to do that, I'll go for a 30 minute power walk. Um, and then after that, I do a 10 to 15 minute meditation also from Melissa would help because I love the meditations. After that, I put in a podcast and it's usually the skinny confidential and my let don't keep your day job, anything, uh, interviewing an entrepreneur, because I want to get into that business mindset before I start my day. So I put that podcast on I make myself breakfast, me and my husband breakfast, which is one egg over medium one piece of gluten-free toast toasted and sauteed kale. And so I make all of that with Cholula sauce. Mm-hmm. I eat that while listening to the podcast and then I take my vitamins. So I take a multivitamin right now, just because the seasons are changing and I'm like, let's just immune boost this shit. I take echinacea, elderberry, zinc, 
Um, yeah, some, what else do I take? Something like that. And then, um, oh, and then I take like this, uh, it's like an adaptogen for allergies because I get allergies. After I take all my vitamins, then I shower. And if you want to get really... Yeah, so you dry brushing or you... I grow. <laughs> uh, on a good day, I'll dry brush and then I'll shower. Once a week, I exfoliate with the necessary exfoliator or I got this like really beautiful salt, sea and salt scrub by, ooh, I don't know what it's called, but it's incredible. Um, and I take like a three minute shower, like three to four minute shower. Super, I'll super fast. I don't wash my hair. I wash my hair like every other week. Like I have curly hair, so I don't really need to wash it. I rarely wash my hair. So it's always shower cap. After that, I put coconut oil all over my body as like a moisturizer. Um, I wash my face, put the sunscreen on, and then like I'm naked, I'm letting the coconut oil, you know, dry into my skin. Then I get dressed. The podcast is all still in, right? Then I get dressed. Uh, picking on an outfit is an important part of my day. I like to really make sure that it matches with the vibe and the tone and the mood I want to be in. So I make sure I pick a good outfit. And then I look at my phone. No looking at the phone, people. No looking at the phone for like two hours. You know, I don't look at my phone until like 8.30. And I'll just do a really quick text scan, Instagram scan, and open up my email just to see if there's anything super alarming or time sensitive I need to get to with my agency. And then I sit down at my desk with my second cup of coffee and I start work. Love it. And you start work at like nine. I start work before 9 a.m. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's just like, it allows your mind to settle. Like you've gotten everything that you needed to get for yourself. Mm -hmm. And now you can focus on work. I, I can't go more than one day without my morning routine. Like I can go one day and then I, I, I need it back. So my husband sleeps in much later than me. So I really get all of that to myself, which I'm very grateful for. (laughs) Um, I know when I have kids, I obviously say this and I won't know until it happens to me, but I, I think, or I know I'm going to have to wake up an hour earlier than them. Like I just, I need that alone time without being plugged in, without texting, Instagramming, emailing, being plugged into the outside world. I just need the alone time. Yeah. I do the same thing. I set my alarm so that I have that time before the baby wakes up and before my husband wakes up. And if either one of them wake up early, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. That's going to be me. That's going to be me. Like five minute gratitude journal yet. I need to do it real quick. (laughs) That's going to be me a hundred percent. But you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll get up an hour early and it'll be the best. Like that hour will be so precious because it matters. It means a lot to you. And it, it, shapes the course of your day. Yeah. And I'm someone who if trained over time can wake up at 5am. No, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just, I love it. I, I, I don't know when I became such a morning person, but it's hard to think now about not being like that. Like, I don't know how I survived so long, like waking up in a panic and rushing, you know, around like a crazy person. And it's just like, I wish mornings could, I don't know. I wish I could do like five hours in the morning, but I did. So I try to do like 30 minutes with no phone, but I always use the excuse that I have to check like the baby monitor on the app on my phone. And then of course I see the text and the Instagram and let me check my calendar real quick. Okay. Okay. Here's what you got to do. So I open my phone to put on a podcast. Obviously that's when I open the phone, but, um, my, my, uh, email, Instagram, all notifications are off except text. 
Nice. That's so I don't get except text notifications Uh, and I just ignore them, you know, but for me, if I open that email, you know, I got 15 clients for full-time employees. Like there's just, it's too much. I'm like, and then, you know, even my text messages, I don't want to, I don't want to open anything anymore. Uh So I took notifications off. Like I don't even have notifications on email. Nice. I love that. Because I check it every 20 minutes anyways. Right. You know what I mean? I don't need to be sitting at seven o'clock watching a movie with my husband and I see an email from a client and I don't really know. I'm like, oh, what's that? And it just throws you out. It throws you out of what you're doing. Yeah, it's so true. And I um I took your advice too. And I I always thought I was one of those per- those people. I was like, I'm not on my phone that much. Like I'm on Instagram for my, my, you know, my business and I'll check, you know, my calendar and I'll check emails. And yes, at night when like my husband and I are watching TV, like I'm usually on my phone. I'm not watching the dumb show. I don't like Ted Lasso. Sorry. Like, it's just not, I'm, I can't focus on TV, <laughs> but then I was like, wait, let me see. I'm going to look at my screen time because I always feel like I don't have enough time. Why am I not getting things done? I'm very organized and very productive why am I, why do I always feel so behind and overwhelmed? And my to-do list is so long. I looked at my screen time per your suggestion. I am wasting about 42, 45 hours a week. We're looking at like an average of eight hours a day on screen time. That's a whole job. So I have no room to complain anymore. And I'm making a major change. Yeah. So (laughs) I average five and a half. And most of it is work. Yeah. I, I do a lot of work on my phone. So yeah. anytime it goes, like I got the alert that I was six hours average last week. I'm like, nope, the phone's got to go away more. Like I won't go above five and a half average. You can set an alert to tell you when you've hit your max for the day. I don't know. I think you can. I mean, I just look at the five and a half. I've kind of gotten this algorithm. Like I look at how much I spend on each app per se. Yeah. yeah. So you know, most of it is work. I'm like, you know, my hour Zillow search every day for fun. Um, but yeah, if I go above five and a half, my mental health also starts, it shows in my mental health. So the week, like with book launch, it was so crazy. I was at like eight or nine a day and my mental health just like, and every time, uh, my mental health doesn't feel good. I check my average screen time and it's always up. That's interesting. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know a lot of it is work for me as well, but there's a lot of it that is not because mm-hmm. it turns into mindless scrolling and we sure. end up going after that. So yeah, we're definitely going to get that in check. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So God, I could literally sit here and talk to you for like four hours, but I, I want to be respectful of your time. So um, a few things that I, that really stood out to me in the book that I jotted down I loved when you said, fuck fear, accept discomfort and accomplish cool things. I think that's such a great motto to live by because things are like, good things are scary. You know, great things come out of pushing through the fear because change is hard. New things are hard. The uncertainty is not necessarily a bad thing. So I just loved that because I, I was thinking about, okay, what are some of my, you know, the things that I'm most proud of accomplishments And each of those were terrifying. Like what came out of that? Like moving across the country alone, starting a new business while I was pregnant, like even finding my husband and starting a family that I wasn't sure I was ever going to do, you know, like everything that I look at now as a great achievement came from 
serious discomfort. So I like that you said that, like, fuck fear and accept that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's That's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a misconception that when you're living your dream, it's not uncomfortable. But when you live your dream, in my opinion, the discomfort is very great. And so we're always going to feel discomfort, whether we're regressing or stagnant or we're going after our dreams. So once you accept that, that no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what you're doing, discomfort comes when you up-level, when you change, when you go after something, um, it just makes it part of the game that you can tolerate, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's scarier if you think about the alternative, which is not doing the thing you wanted to do. Like that gets to the point where like that is actually more uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. a lot of us if we realize that. I know for me, it was, I was like, "Mm, it's actually scarier to stay where I am and not make change than it is to go see what's on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Sometimes you have to get there to the point where staying the same is scarier than making the change and walking through the discomfort. Yeah. I love that. Um, a couple of rapid fire questions. I love doing this with my guests. So I, I did see that you, and I'm doing this too, getting more into like reading fiction because we get so wrapped up in like the entrepreneurial podcast and business and reading, you know, about your soul and whatnot. So sometimes like getting lost in a fictional book is so fun. And I feel like we've lost that. Um, so what is your favorite fiction book? Ever? If you had to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> or right now, what's a good one you're reading? It doesn't have to be of all time. Okay. That's like a, that's like the worst, not the worst. That's the biggest question one could ask me. The biggest question one could ask me. Um, I'll, I'll say who, who my go-tos are. Yeah. Uh, Haruki Murakami is one of my favorite authors of all time. He's absolutely incredible, a complete wizard of words. Um, yeah. Lydia Davis is amazing. She does flash fiction, which is always my favorite. The way she writes just really resonates with me. Um, those I say, those two are always kind of my favorite. Obviously there's Joan Didion and Eve Babbitt. Um, I have a weird affinity towards like 17th and 18th century English British literature which I studied in college which is very weird um but those are kind of my favorites I always say Lydia Davis and Haruki Murakami when I talk about my favorite authors um right now I am reading more of like a not like a romance novel but a little bit of a entertainment novel I guess you could call it The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo which is like very riveting um but I also just read you read it it's on my list it's next because I just finished um um oh my gosh one true loves was that the that was the other book by um the same author Mm, I haven't read that one was called um but yeah I've been hearing I mean for years people have been raving about the seven husbands of Evelyn so that's on my list (laughs) it's very it's very good it grabs you, that's for sure. But I also just read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, maybe, which was really good, too. I don't know. I, I love, I used to only read fiction. So jumping back into that feels so good. Yeah, I do, too. It reminds me of being like a kid. I was reading like Stephen King in fifth grade, like just devouring everything I could put my hands on. <laughs> um, what's your favorite food? My favorite food, um, I love seafood. So anything seafood, octopus, mussels, oysters, sashimi, anything seafood is my absolute favorite. You're in a good place for it too. Yeah, my dad's a fisherman too, for fun, for sport. 
for sport, I guess you would call it for sport, uh, for fun. So he's fished my whole life and always brought home all this incredible, incredible seafood. That's awesome. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Mm, me too. <laughs> but not for another 70 days because I'm doing a 90 day cleanse. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah, it was necessary. Um, what would be three things that you would have on a deserted island? Your last question. Uh, my journal. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, honestly, probably just, yeah. Like if I really needed to bring stuff, my journal, like, what am I going to do if, on a pen, my journal, my pen, I guess that's two objects. Yeah. That's kind of all I need. Yeah. That's funny. I, I guess in a good book, but then you read it once and it's done. So I, the journal, oh, maybe like a deck of cards, like an Oracle deck of cards. So every morning you could pick a deck of cards gives you something to write about too. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Something to think about while you're on the deserted island. It gives yeah. you prompts, imagination prompts. <laughs> I love that. Can you imagine like 200 years later, they find like this little camp and there's just like a notebook and some like Oracle card. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the goddess Oracle card. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd be me. That's so funny. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. This was such a pleasure. I just, I admire you so much, everything that you've done, the way that you share, um, and you're just such a joy and a bright light. And I, if I could give you a hug, I would. (laughs) Thank you, love. You're the best. This was awesome. And it was, it was a very interesting interview. And like, and I mean that in the best way possible. And you really asked me different questions than I've usually been asked. And I've been on like, 40 of these in the last three months. So it was awesome. It was such a good conversation. Thank you. Well, we'll keep in touch and I'll talk to you soon. Yay. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to rate and review and also follow along on Instagram at holistic.w.kristen. And I will see you soon.